Well, my, 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 isn't that good? Amen. I want to say thank you to uh, Brother Case for preaching while I was gone two weeks ago. I think in the last 16, 17 years, however long we've been together, I believe that's the first time it's ever happened that both of us were gone at the same time. And we drew in the A-team, Brother Herman Kramer. I know you were blessed by him. And, uh, uh, but it's back to the normal today, all right? Uh, all right. It was nice. Was it, yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I'll see you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, guys. I tell you, I was thinking this morning about the fathers that uh, we've seen go to meet with the Lord. And uh, some tremendous men of God have uh, left this earth in the last year. And uh, I want to just tell you, I don't think any one of them, if you were to see them in heaven this morning and say, listen, they really want you back down there. Would you go back down there? I think they'd say, no, no, tell them they can come up here. But I'm not coming back down there. Amen. Amen. We're continuing through a series on the gospel for the 21st century Christian. If you would turn to Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, and we'll follow there. Uh, I think the gospel for the 21st century, fathers need to play a very important role in it. Uh, we, we need to stand and we need to be counted and courageous and wise and stand on the word of God. It, it never changes. All these other things that we're going through, they're all going to change. Uh, the, the fads, even of worship, they're, they're, all, they're all changing. Uh, everybody's, oh, let's do contemporary, contemporary, contemporary. Uh, before it's all over with, even the contemporary people now are saying, let's do them hymns again. We miss them hymns. And uh, we put them to a new arrangement, but well, that's all right. I don't give a rip what an arrangement is. I just thank God for the words. They were God-anointed uh, music. So things change, but the Word of God, does not change it's been settled in heaven what it's going to be like and it's the same yesterday today and forever but, but would you stand please philippians chapter 1 beginning in verse 12 but i would ye should understand brethren that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense, or in truth Christ is preached and I therein do rejoice yea and will rejoice for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body whether it be by life or by death. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. Lord, we, we wish we could have been there to see those miracles. Yet, Lord, even in our life, 
we've seen you do things that no one could give an account for it was you we praise you Lord we praise you for our salvation no one under the heaven or earth could have come through and died for our sins save Jesus and you've done it for us I pray today God you'll speak through your vessel and through your word let people hear you and not me Lord most of all God would you just have your way in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus name we pray amen amen thank you all so much thank again thank you again for being here thank you for joining in by live stream we're still working on the sounds uh, it's, it's dealing with some equipment and all some things so hang with us I promise you we're working on it as hard as we can and trying to, to get it done uh, it's, it's I'll, I'll tell you who it is it's the devil amen that dude is always throwing a, a curve he's always throwing an obstacle in our ways but greater is he that's in us and he that's in the Lord and uh, we're gonna we're gonna whip this sound thing if we have to come to your individual house and play the tape individually there we, we, we you know some of you can go to England some can go to California some can go to Ireland we got folk listening all over the world so we, we want to make sure that that gets done now we, we we're thinking about the gospel I just got back from the Southern Baptist Convention and uh, there are 47,500 and some odd churches of the Southern Baptist Convention in the United States of America. There, we, we got motorcycle churches, we got wind churches, we got moving churches, we got contemporary churches, we got conservative churches, we got traditional churches. We, we've got all kinds of different churches. I mean, you couldn't count them on your hands and your toes at the different kinds of churches. And yet in the middle of all that, there is one thing that brings all of us together. And it's not our looks, it's not our uh, money, it's not our buildings, it's not our way of worship, but the one thing that brings all of us together is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing right there. You say, well, no, we need this. No, listen, if you get the death, the burial, and the resurrection right, and you get people to, we're making heaven bigger and hell smaller. That's what the gospel does, and it's for the 21st century Christian. And you see Paul here in a Roman jail, and I just wonder, well, he's not depressed. My goodness, he's singing. He's not uh, disillusioned. He knows he's there with, with uh, uh, the chains on him there, and, and all of this and how in the world can you go through what he's gone through and not be disillusioned or depressed I mean I stomp my toe for and I'm depressed for two days uh, how can he go through this and not be depressed well in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 he makes this statement he said we have this treasure in earthen vessels that treasure is the Holy Spirit of God if you're saved today let me tell you you're not just anybody you got the Holy Ghost of God living in you and you need to act like it all right you need to dress like it you need to talk like it you need to be like it because that's the Holy Spirit of God we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us now listen to what he says we're troubled on every side anybody here troubled this morning we're troubled on every side yet not distressed we're, we're perplexed anybody here perplexed this morning anybody say, I don't know what's going on in this country Hey, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, 
you say, well, now ain't nobody persecuted. Well, hang on a little while. Even when we get persecuted, we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. And for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. What it is is these verses, along with Philippians, contain the key to understanding Paul's outlook on life. How do you go through what Paul's been through and still say, the joy of the Lord is my strength? How do you go through what Paul's been through and still say, rejoice in the Lord? Again, I say rejoice. Well, number one, he figured this out, that these things don't just happen. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That's an important thing that you need to understand this morning. God is sovereign. You trace the events in Paul's life that's led him to this time. Listen, you don't get saved one day and then become a great disciple that next day. It takes trials and tribulations. It takes uh, studying the Word of God. It takes praying together. It takes encouraging one another there. And, and, and this great church planner, the writer of Scripture and a theologian, he determined in Acts that he was going to Jerusalem. And they said, don't go to Jerusalem. They're going to put you in prison. Agabus said that. They're going to imprison you. No, nope, it didn't make any difference. He's going anyway. That's what God said do. That's what I'm going to do. Acts 23 and 24 He's plotted against by the Jews. There are 40 men that have made a, a commitment, a vow to assassinate him. The Romans uh, learned about it there. They, they spread a, a lie in Jerusalem, and the entire city is ready to kill him. Can you imagine going to the donut store in the morning, and they're out to kill me? I mean, anywhere he goes, somebody's out there trying to kill him. They want to wipe him out there. Festus replaced Felix. And uh, because he, uh, Felix was the governor of Rome, and they sent Paul back to Felix, and then Felix was replaced by Festus there, and uh, uh, Paul was brought before him. He wants to send Paul back to Jerusalem. Paul claims his Roman citizenship, says, I don't want to go back to Jerusalem. I want to stay right here. And so he's sent to Rome, and on the way, he was shipwrecked on Malta, nearly died in the storm. He, arri he arrives in Rome. And now he's under house arrest, the Roman Praetorium Guard. That was the elite guard of Caesar there. They had him, and yet not one time, not one time do we ever hear Paul saying, you know, I was trying to just work for the Lord, and this is what I get. I mean, I, I, there are people down there at the church, they don't lift their hand to do nothing. And here I am trying to serve you, Lord, and now this is what I get out of it. I never see Paul doing that. I mean, we, we could easily say, poor Paul. In East Texas, you have to, we'd say it like this, God love him. I mean, you can say God love him and say anything you want to. He's ugly, God love him. I mean, as long as you say God, we'd say, hey, he's doing his best. Poor Paul just can't get a break. Paul said, though, in verse 12, I would that you should understand, brethren, the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is saying, hey, don't come up in here feeling sorry for me. Everything that's happened to me has done nothing but further the gospel. When he was on the ship, and it was, he told them, hey, we're going to have a storm. This is not the time to be going. But they all went anyway. Then they're in the middle of that storm. The ship's being torn apart. Paul announces, everybody's going to to be alive. Nobody's going to die. This ship's going to be blown all to pieces, but everybody's going to be alive. They heard all of those testimonies over and over again. 
Paul said, everything that happened to me that I suffered, it was to further the gospel. Woo, could you say that this morning? Could you, could you, do you even want to say that this morning? I mean, you, no, I, I, don't, I don't want to. No, he's saying that everything furthers the gospel. You see, the, the, the sovereignty of God is the absolute rule and authority over creation. That's a foundational truth of Christianity. When you begin to understand that God is God, he's sovereign. Anything happens to us, he either controls it or he allows it. One of those two. A.W. Pink, the great author and theologian, said this way, the sovereignty of God may be defined as the exercise of his supremacy. Being infinitely elevated above the highest creature, he is the most high, Lord of heaven and earth, subject to none, influenced by none, absolutely independent. God does as he pleases. Now, what does that mean to us? Well, number one, God's sovereignty takes away my fear, and it motivates me to courage. You say, how does that happen? <laughs> When I understand the principle that God is in control and nothing don't happen to me unless God allows it to happen to me, what am I fearing then? What am I going to fear? I'll be honest with you. I'm at the age where I, I, if I'm not careful, I'll let fear just get all over me. I don't, uh, you know, I've had a couple of heart surgeries and all kinds of things, and man, the older I get, the more I think, Lord, I, I, can't, I, don't, I can't lay in no hospital there. I can't do that. When I understand that he's sovereign, I can do whatever I need to do. Now, Lord, I'm not going to do an MRI. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I'm not, that ain't the will of God. I know that. I know that already. God's sovereignty takes away my fear. There's no reason to fear because God's in control. It motivates us to courage. I love, uh, I, we just finished preaching through First and Second Kings, and one of my favorite illustrations in there in the Bible is on Micaiah in First Kings. Uh, Jehoshaphat is the uh, king in, in uh, Judah and the king in Israel there. They're coming together to go fight the Moabites. And uh, they call in all the prophets and everything. Should we go? And they all say, oh, yes, king, everything's great. And Jehoshaphat says this, is there not one man left in all of Israel that will tell us the truth? Is there not one? And you remember what, what the king of Israel said? He said, yeah, there's one. But he don't like me. And I don't like him. And he always is negative. And we don't need to hear from him. Jehoshaphat said, that's the man I want to hear from. And he comes in, and he, he mimics him. He says, all right, go for it. Y'all going to get it? Y'all go on and go for it. And Jehoshaphat says, quit lying to us. We want to hear what God said. And Micaiah said, God said, you think to die, king. That's what God said. Mm. Now, what could give him the courage? Because this is a king that could wipe him out. This is a king that you didn't, you didn't talk bad in front of. That's why the rest of the prophets said, oh, yeah, whatever you want, king, that's what we want to do. You know what it was? In that one verse of chapter uh, 22 in verse 19, it says this. 
Micaiah, he said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. Listen, when you see the Lord's sovereign sitting on his throne, you can be honest with the word of God. You don't have to run around and, and hide on it. Listen, this, 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 this thing's God's book. It's, it's, it's infallible. It's inerrant. You don't have to try to back it up. What it says is what it means. There's some stuff in there I wish wasn't in there. You know, there's some stuff in there that I, I you know, I just kind of wish I, it wasn't in there. In the days that we're going today, uh, in our convention, our convention is still taking a stand. We're working through some problems. People worried about the Southern Baptist Convention going down like the Titanic. The Southern Baptist Convention is stronger today than it's ever been before. We've done some housekeeping and we've gotten rid of some corruption, and there's still some more that gets rid of. You don't have 15 million members and everything flows smooth. But I'm telling you, Southern Baptists are still a people of the book. There are Southern Baptist preachers that don't believe that, wish they'd get out of the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, I, I, this convention is gonna stand by the book. One of the big problems we got in the Southern Baptist, and I, I, I will just go ahead and just let it fly out of here, and some of you are going to love it, and some of you are going to say, that's pitiful, preacher, that's pitiful. The Word of God tells us that there is to be no woman ordained as a pastor, and we still stand on that. And if you go back and you look at the Methodists, you look at the Presbyterians, you look at the Episcopals, you look at the Lutherans, you look at every one of those, when those denominations, whether, whether, there was a day when they stood on the Word of God, but they began ordaining women, and down 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 let me tell you uh, you say preacher women do you don't like women i love women my soul i can't think about how bad earth would be if it didn't have no women on it good grief i mean all y'all all we'd be doing would be fishing and anyhow <laughs> i love women but i want to tell you the word of god says for a pastor a bishop an elder to be ordained, he has to be the husband of one wife. You can't do that as a woman. Not legally. God's sovereignty, it gives us uh, the motivation we need to go forward and, and, and the courage. It also gives us the deep sense of security. Uh, if you look at yourself, you don't have any security this morning in you. You can't do anything. You can't do a thing. Only security you have is what Jesus has given you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 31, Paul said, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, if we're lined up with him and he's sovereign, what do we got to worry about? And then verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And then he goes on in verse 7 to say, No, 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 no. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then he said, these are the things. I'm persuaded neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, height, depth, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You just try to find something that's not included in that verse. We're, we're his. It gives us a sense of security. God is sovereign. And then secondly here, quickly, 
God advances his kingdom through suffering. Through suffering. Uh, he says there in verses 15 through 18, in verse 12, really, it goes back to verse 12. I would that you should understand, brother, uh, and, and for the furtherance of the gospel, that Greek word there is prokope, prokope. And that means uh, simply it's an advance in spite of the obstacles. It gives the meaning of, of, a, of an army going through a jungle, and they're advancing and they're going forth, but they're having to cut down trees and they're cutting out brush and they're doing everything, but they're going forward in spite of the obstacles. Listen to me, church. If you're going to stand up for God, there's going to be some obstacles. It's going to happen. There are going to be things that happen. And, and I, man, I've been trying all week to just think, Lord, help me get in my mind across the people what you're putting on my heart. And I, it's, it's just not going to happen. You're just going to have to listen and, and hear the word of God. God advances his kingdom through suffering. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not one. I didn't get up this morning saying, Lord, dump a load of suffering on me today. I, I didn't do that. I don't want to do that. And yet it's through those sufferings, Paul says, that the furtherance of the gospel happened because of the sufferings of God that he put upon me. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. His suffering, his imprisonment, all of this had been part of reaching people with the gospel. I don't know. Uh, I'm not looking forward to suffering. But the truth is, <coughs> we're able to minister to people far better when we've gone through something that they're going through. We're able to not just say, well, I, you know, you can't say I know how you feel because we don't know how they feel. But if you've been through things, you, you, you know who your redeemer is. You know who your comfort is. Man, when the doctors are there at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're saying there's no way he's going to live, I remember it just like yesterday. And yet the next morning, he's still breathing and going. I want to tell you something, folks. Our God is a good God. And when we do have to suffer, it's not because God doesn't love us. It's because God's got a bigger plan. You say, well, I don't like that plan. Your ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. But I want to tell you, God advances the kingdom of, of, of heaven through suffering, his imprisonment. Paul is constantly under guard. He's watched by the Praetorian Guard, which is the elite people there of the, of, the, of the king you say well what is there to be joyful about well he's got a captive audience they can't go nowhere Paul said huh? hey, they get to see what kind of character he's got they're sitting there chained up to him 24 hours a day they see his character they see his conviction he's not bad mouthing God because he's in chains He's praising the Lord because God saved him on the road to Damascus. They get to hear his testimony. They can't help but see his courage here. And the gospel, the truth is, the gospel would have never come. These guys were tough. They were hard. It would have probably never come to these guys except God used the suffering of Paul to bring it to them. Guys, could I tell you that you're working with some men 
that the real truth is they big shots and they think they're hot stuff and they'll never darken the door of a church and the best shot they got at being saved is to see your character to see your courage to see the fact that you do not compromise to hear about how Jesus saved you when you were on the road to destruction that's exactly what he's saying here and then he talks about false preachers there's some good preachers out there he said so and there's some with selfish motives they want to build their own congregations and kingdoms and they were selfish of Paul they were jealous but you know and they were talking about uh, him sitting in prison sad and envious for the opportunity to preach and Paul saying hey I'm not surprised by any of this after all that's how God's always worked there's always been resistance to the work of God there's never I mean you know man Baptists their their whole theme for pastors is Lord uh, you, you you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor and that's the theme of the Baptist denomination we, we, yeah hey Paul said I'm not surprised by any of this it's been necessary to suffer for the kingdom of God we could go back to Abraham we could go back to any number of Old Testament types. We could go to Peter. We could go to Paul. And ultimately, we see it in Jesus when he dies on the cross for your sin and my sin and for our salvation. We're covered by the blood of the Lamb because of his ultimate sacrifice. It was necessary for him to suffer or we wouldn't have been saved. I've told, I can't remember if I told it in here or not. I, thought, I don't think so. My notes is all messed up, so I don't know what I've done. We were, the other night, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning. Preachers love to preach. We just don't want to be preached to. I'm just telling you the truth. That's <laughs> just the way it is. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. There were, there were 12 or 15 of us sitting around, and we were going over different scriptures and everything. This one guy from, uh, came up with this idea. He said, it's July. Coming up July, Christmas is going to be here. What we need to do is every Southern Baptist church needs to, to have this theme. We broadcast it all over America. Jesus is the reason for the season. And, you know, I thought, well, okay, you know, that's kind of corny. I mean, we've had that before, but, but we'd all do it. And this one old boy said, well, the only problem is it ain't scriptural. He was from North Carolina. And, I mean, everybody looked at him. What are you talking about? Jesus is the reason. He said, no, Jesus wasn't lost. He didn't need to come. Jesus is not the reason for the season. You and I are the reason for the season. If we hadn't have been lost in our sin, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. Hey, if you want to get down to the real reason why the resurrection is important, it wasn't because of getting him back into heaven. It was so that we could go to heaven. That's what it was. Wow. Jim Elliott great missionary going to Ecuador he was killed with four other missionaries and it just seemed like a doomed ministry but his wife Elizabeth took her daughter they went back to that same village that killed him those villagers looked at her and thought man there must be something to this that her husband who died we killed him and now she's back here again preaching the same message he preached Mm. Wow. Could I tell you that your sickness could be an encouragement to somebody else? 
There may be a nurse, an orderly, somewhere in the hospital that somebody needs to know that Jesus loves them. And God's putting you right there for that purpose to say that. Could I tell you this morning that maybe your financial crisis, your brokenness, could be what someone needs right now in their life? Could I tell you this morning, maybe even losing your job, and yet when you lose it, you don't go like the world goes. You just trust God. It might be the very thing. We don't know. We won't know this side of heaven. It might be the very thing that someone needs so much. God is sovereign. Understand that. i got to hurry. God advances his kingdom through suffering. Let me give you the last thing. The purpose of my life. I hear people all the time. Preacher, if I just knew what God wanted me to do. If I just knew the purpose for God. Listen, throw all that junk away. I can tell you right now in a few words what it is. The purpose of your life is to glorify God. Doesn't matter where you are. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Romans 12, 1, presents your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. See, our problem with living sacrifices is we throw ourselves on the altar, and when the heat turns up a little bit and it gets hot, we find ourselves wanting to crawl off the altar. A dead sacrifice is a lot better. You just slap a dead body on there, a dead animal, whatever, he don't move. But boy, when you're talking about a living sacrifice, hmm, some people divide their lives into secular and sacred. You can't do that. You're you. Everything belongs to God. Everything. I, uh, I saw the story of John Patton, a missionary, and um, in the last century, he was planning to go to the South Sea Islands. <laughs> and uh, this older man, very wise, he said, uh, Mr. Patton, if you go there, the cannibals are going to eat you. Patton replied to him, Mr. Dixon, uh, you're very wise and you're advanced in years now. And your one prospect is soon to be laid in the grave. I mean, you know, when we get old enough, everything hurts. Bless God, the grave sounds pretty good. He said, your one prospect is to be laid in the grave there to be eaten by the worms. Mm. He said, I confess to you, Mr. Dixon, that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day of my resurrection, my body will be brand new. I want to tell you something. We're, 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 we don't got down to the nitty-gritty. Fathers, we're talking about sacrificing, suffering for your family so that it can further the gospel, not just to a whole lost and dying world, but to our own family members. My soul, I, I, now our kids are over in children's church now, but I'll be honest. Some of you parents are teaching your children that the things of the world are far more important than the things of God. These children that got up here earlier, man, those parents, thank God for them. Thank God for you. I, I'm not, I don't mean to be ugly, and I just, I, I, 
There's just some I'd like to shake and say, listen, you're going down the wrong road. Your children are going to grow up, and then they're going to be teenagers, and they're going to, they're going to forget everything because you've not indwelt it in them. You've not connected them to it. When Paul got saved, the source of his life was Jesus Christ. That was the source of his life. Many people don't understand that. You see, they think getting saved is getting man out of the earth into heaven. But that's not what salvation is. Salvation is not getting man out of earth into heaven. It's getting God out of heaven into man. Christ in us, the source. He's our source. We're connected to him. But he not only was a source, he also was the subject. The subject. Everywhere he went, he talked about Jesus. Gave his testimony. I wondered this morning if I were to go next door and and uh, ask your kids, hey, what's your daddy's favorite thing to do? What's his favorite subject? I wonder how many of those kids would say, oh, I can tell you right now, it's reading the Word of God, it's serving the Lord, it's coming to fellowship with other Christians. Or would they say, well, his favorite thing to do is fishing. His favorite thing to do is hunting. His favorite thing to do is watching Notre Dame beat Texas. <laughs> I closed. I heard about an old boy that was playing the cello, but he never moved his hand. He was playing the cello, had it in one spot. Somebody came up to him and said, Sir, why aren't you moving your hands up and down like everybody else playing the cello? And he said, those people are looking for it. I've already found it. This world is looking for peace, joy, long-suffering, happiness. But I want to tell you, they're not going to find it outside of Jesus Christ. And it is our responsibility and our privilege. It's our privilege that God saved somebody like me. The gospel ought to be the subject of my life. I ought to be telling everybody I mean, there should be no doubt. You say, my kids, they'll be mad. Hey, let them get mad. Let them get mad. I've learned in, in, in salvation that there's three phases you used to go through, usually. You get mad, and then you get sad, and then you get glad. Don't, don't worry if somebody don't want to hear you talking about Jesus. Hey, you still talk about Jesus. You're saying, preacher, you're going to run my family off. Yeah, I guess I'm going to run them to hell number two. I'm telling you, it's got to be about Jesus. It's got to be about the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, it's not going to be a secret. I tell you, my soul rejoices. With Brother Case, yesterday, got to meet with the sweet, and everybody, well, most folk know, sweet Carolyn Northcutt. She came down this morning. In, in the early service and said look I've never been sure I've had doubts and today yesterday with brother case I, I nailed it down I will follow the Lord in baptism she's she's been a my soul she's been a helper in this church she served the Lord there's no telling how many people she's helped but I want to tell you something I've said it again I'm gonna say it one more time I got to get out of here I'm late but I hadn't preached in two weeks. You just better thank God it's just a minute or two. 
If you're not certain this morning that you're going to heaven, that you have eternal life, I want to tell you, this is the day on Father's Day you need to nail it down. You need to say, look, I, I'm a sinner. I invite Christ to take over my life. I believe in the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. And I, I am no longer mine. I give everything to him. And you, you make him Lord of your life this morning. Because I want to tell you, I told Carolyn the same thing. When you get to heaven and say you were saved 20 years ago, do you think God's going to say, well, you idiot, you were already saved. Why'd you go down there again? No. He's going to say, welcome. Come on in. But if those doubts were real and you never did anything about them and you get to that day of judgment and it wasn't real, he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Now, if you want to gamble on that, you gamble all you want to. But I want to tell you, if it was me, I'd nail that thing down. I'd be sure, I'm, I wouldn't be sure where I'm going to eat it after this service. I might not be sure of where I'm going this afternoon. But I'll tell you one thing, I'd be sure I knew Jesus as my personal Savior before I walked out those doors. Father, we, we commit this service to you. Ask you to have your way in, in every person that's in this place. Lord, no matter how old or how young they are, no matter what decision, some here need to be saved. Some have already been saved and just need their joy restored. Some need a church home. Lord, some just need to be baptized. Lord, whatever decision that needs to be made, would your Holy Spirit speak to them so real, so powerful, that they'll have to say yes to you. We give you praise and glory and ask you to do great things in Jesus' name. Amen.